This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life is unpredictable. Good times and bad times can come out of nowhere and take you by surprise. Going to therapy and learning how to manage your thoughts is like a secret weapon that prepares you for any challenge. Try it out at betterhelp.com super. Hey, brother. Well, guys, if you haven't heard, they recently announced a brand new third animated season of Avatar The Last Airbender following the Avatar that comes after Korra. And not only that, apparently they're making a new animated movie about adult Aang. And, and on top of that, they're also making a live action series of the original Avatar The Last Airbender. All of that, plus the different novels that have been coming out recently and like, wow, it is just an amazing time to be a Last Airbender fan. So today we're diving off the back of a sky bison right back into that world to try and solve one of its oldest mysteries, which is, Whatever happened to Sokka? Like during Korra's time, we know him to be dead, but other than that, we know very little about his life. Which is a real bummer because the other members of the original gang get a lot of resolution to their stories. I mean, Katara is just still alive, as is all of her and Aang's children, who all are fully fledged characters in the show. Toph, as you might expect, is off living in a swamp. Although actually I love that she's living in the same swamp where Aang first had a vision of her. It's like she totally came full circle. But even so, she still plays her own part in helping heal Korra at one part and her own children are big players in the show. Heck, even Zuko's still around. He's still Fire Lord riding dragons and kicking butt and stuff. Aang himself obviously isn't very present, but of course that's like the premise of the show. And in some ways, isn't Korra just Aang again? Actually, not just in some ways, it's literally reincarnation, but that's not the point. The point is, whatever happened to Sokka? I mean, his role in the Hundred Years War is huge. His plans and inventions literally reshaped the world. He is one of Aang's best friends, and yet almost nothing is known about his later life. Did he and Suki actually end up together? Did he have any children? Did he play any role in Korra's life? And for that, matter, how did he die? Was it old age? Sickness? Murder? And if so, who was the culprit? Well, today we find out. Okay, so whatever happened to Sokka? I guess it's not entirely fair to say we don't learn anything about him in Legend of Korra, but the tiny glimpses we get are barely even breadcrumbs. In all of season one, we only get to see him a couple times in flashbacks, and he only ever even speaks once when he's delivering a sentence to the mob boss, Yakone. We find Yakone guilty of all charges and sentence him to life in prison. However, this brief scene does at least reveal a few things to us about Sokka. First, not only did he serve as the Southern Water Tribe representative on the United Republic's council, but he specifically served as the council's chairperson, as indicated by his center position in the table. Which, if you ask me, is a pretty solid resume, but it's also not that unexpected since Sokka was in fact one of the founding members of Republic City. That's all actually revealed off-screen in the graphic novels where he and Suki and the rest of the gang halt a Bender supremacist uprising in Cranefish Town, a place the entire group feels a special connection with, but which Sokka hates the name of. But after the gang decides to stay there, this city begins to prosper and eventually develops into the huge metropolis known as Republic City, which since Sokka hated the original name so much, it kind of suggests that he's also the one who named Republic City, which is kind of fun. Actually, ironically, in the first season, Korra is then also facing down a non-Bender supremacy group known as the Equalists. But that little clip we just played with the speech, that, much to my surprise, and I think everyone else's is literally the last time we ever hear from Sokka in the show. But it is not the last time we hear of or see him in the show. Our next glimpse comes in season two, where we see a statue of him has been erected in front of the Capitol building in Republic City, wielding his trusty boomerang. Yeah! 
The episode is called Peacekeepers and the building his statue is standing in front of him is actually bombed in that episode. And you get this shot of this burning building behind his statue, which all just sort of points out that Sokka was a peacekeeper and that as of now, the peace is no longer being kept, which is all pretty obvious. And I doubt you needed me to explain that to you, but I do think there might be a little bit deeper meaning to it as well, but we'll come back to that in a little bit. Also, also I like to bring up the statue because I think it's really funny that throughout the show, we see that Aang, Toph, Zuko, and Sokka all have statues erected of them, but we never see Katara's. Meaning either we just never got to see it or that she never had one constructed for her, which I like to think the rest of the group would just constantly poke fun at her for. I mean, heck, even Cabbage Man has a statue. But anyway, that brings us to our final mention of Sokka in season three right here after Korra is learning that Zaheer and the Red Lotus have broken free of their prison, likely to hunt down and kill her. Shortly after we found out you were the Avatar, Zaheer and three others attempted to kidnap you. Luckily, your father, Lord Zuko, Chief Sokka and I were there to stop them. And that's it. That's the last thing we ever learn about what Sokka did in this world. What happened to him after is never revealed to us, the audience. Which like, I mean, come on. We never even get to find out if he ended up with Suki or like had any kids at least. I mean, the rest of the gang all had kids. And I mean, let's just face it. Sokka was something of a ladies man in the original show. In fact, in Zulu, his name literally translates to lover boy. Actually, I'm going to be real with you. I'm trying to fact check that. And I think it might just be one of those things that circulates around and is accepted as fact, but it doesn't look like if you put it into Google Translate, that's what Sokka means if you do it either way. But also I know nothing about Zulu, so I have no way to confirm whether it's, could someone confirm this for me? True or not, however, it doesn't really matter. The fact remains, it's true. Sokka gains the attention of many female characters throughout the show. First with Yue, whose name actually means moon in Chinese. My first girlfriend turned into the moon. That's rough, buddy. Then with Suki, whose name means moon, in Japanese, hmm. Ty Lee flirts with him while they're fighting. Looks like we're dancing together. And even Toph reveals she has a bit of a crush on him. Oh, Sokka, you saved me. Oh man, Sokka and Toph, can you imagine? <laughs> Although. But guys, now we need to take a quick pause and give a huge shout out to today's sponsor, MeUndies. Guys, it is 2023 and we are officially saying goodbye to things that do not make us happy, like wearing crappy underbridges. Well, I shouldn't phrase it like that, but you know what I mean. Uncomfortable under britches. And instead we are saying hello to the comfiest underwear on the planet. And it's super easy to do that with MeUndies. And they are here to spruce up your collection with 25% off your first order, plus free standard shipping. Of course, I say we're saying hello to them, but that's not true. I've been using them for years now. They're a longtime sponsor of the channel, but I've been wearing them for way longer than that even. They're just simply the best undies on the market. I mean, not only are they the most breathable and softest underwear that money can buy, but they also just have have super fun patterns and bold colors so you can be styling even under your outerwear. I mean, just look at these designs. They're creative, quirky, and even include some of my favorite fandoms. Guys, MeUndies will hook you up with soft, breathable undies and ultra comfy bralettes in bold colors and fun patterns or calming neutrals that go with every vibe. Available in sizes XS through 4XL, they have a size and look for everybody. Once you fall in love with their super cozy products, you can sign up for a membership and get them shipped to your door monthly. The membership is free to join and each month you'll choose a new pair of undies, socks, or bralettes 
Wallet. Plus, you get exclusive first looks on deals and products, and we'll save up to 30% on all their snugly soft stuff. So to get 25% off your first order, plus free standard shipping, head on over to MeUndies.com theories. The hype is real. In fact, if you're not satisfied with your first pair, they're on the house. That's a promise. One more time, it's MeUndies.com theories. Link is in the description down below. Actually, another unresolved mystery inside the world of Avatar is who is the father of Toph's second child, Su Yin? Toph herself eventually reveals that the father of her older daughter, Lin, was a man named Kanto. But we never find out who fathered Su Yin, the powerful metal bender who went on to found the city of Zalfu. But I gotta tell you, there is a pretty strong case for it being Sokka. I mean, again, we know that Toph had a crush on him, and that entire side of her family all shares that similar olive skin complexion with Sokka. Most of the grandchildren even have the same facial structure. I mean, just look at Huan. Is this not exactly Sokka with just like a little bit longer chin? Plus, if it's true, it means his daughter founded a city just like him. Heck, if we go back to that clip from earlier where Sokka gives his lone speaking lines in the entire series, he actually uses some of those precious lines to compliment Toph. Even metal bending was considered impossible for all of history until our esteemed chief of police, Toph Beifong, single-handedly developed the skill. Yeah, it seems to me that at some point, Sokka stopped shooting for the moon and became a little more grounded on Earth. Get it, because Toph was in you get it. So I guess whether or not he ever ended up with Suki remains unresolved, but I feel pretty confident he had a child with Toph. But that leads us to our final question, which is what led to Sokka's death? And actually, I do think we get a brief mention of it, although not actual confirmation, and we've already played the clip. Luckily, your father, Lord Zuko, Chief Sokka, and I were there to stop them. We apprehended the criminals and locked them away in prisons designed to impair their abilities. Yeah, I think Sokka helped protect Korra as a child from the Red Lotus, but died in the process at the hands of one of its members. The Red Lotus, as a refresher, are the main villains for the third season of Legend of Korra and are made up of four extremely powerful benders. There's one from each nation and each of them practices a specialized form of their kind of bending. Mingwa was born without arms, but is able to water bend them onto herself. Pali is a combustion bender, Gizan is a lava bender, and their leader, Zaheer, gains the ability to airbend and eventually learns how to fly without the use of a glider or anything. Worth noting, however, that Zaheer only gained the ability to airbend after Harmonic Convergence, ironically a plot set forward by an ex-member of the Red Lotus, Unalak. Meaning, in the original kidnap attempt on Korra as a child, there were three benders and one non-bender. And the non-bender was actually the leader who came up with all the plans. Sound familiar? Well, it should because it's extremely similar to the original gang. I mean, I'm not sure I would always call Sokka the leader, but he is definitely the one who always kept them on schedule and did most of the strategizing. The water arms thing is something Katara was pretty well versed at herself, and while they didn't have a combustion bender on their team, they did take one down. In fact, the final bit of Sokka's lone speech in Legend of Korra details exactly how he did that. I once bested a man with my trusty boomerang who was able to firebend with his mind. The point is, as the strategizer of the group thwarting the Red Lotus the first time around, Sokka would have had a lot of experience in thwarting three of their four members. But what he would not have been able to account for was Gazan's lava bending. Gazan is actually the first non-Avatar character we ever see perform this kind of bending. In fact, prior to his arrival on screen, it was believed that only Avatars could bend lava because it was a combined form of bending between fire and earth. 
but that's not true. In fact, it's just a highly specialized and rare version of earthbending. Which, wow, look at that. Toph invented metal bending, and this group has another earthbender that effectively invented lava bending. The parallels continue to mount. But what I think this means for Sokka is that Gazan was the one who finally took him down. And really, the only reason he was able to was because he had to invent a brand new kind of bending Sokka could not be prepared to strategize around. The element of surprise strikes again. That said, even in the moment, obviously Sokka must have come up with something because they successfully thwarted them from kidnapping Korra. But whatever they came up with, while successful, wasn't successful at saving Sokka's life. And if you think maybe that seems like a little brutal for this show, it really isn't, especially for this particular group, where three out of the four members actually suffer on-screen deaths, which come at the hands of not-for-nothing, electrocution, head explosion, and a cave-in. And they kill the Earth Queen via suffocation and almost murder Korra. So yeah, they have it in them. And unfortunately, I think they are the ones who finally managed to get one over on Sokka. Which, how fitting then that his statue is seen in front of that burning building caused by Unalak, who again was a former member of the Red Lotus that caused harmonic convergence, which gave Zaheer his airbending abilities and allowed him to break out of prison. But I kind of love this because it gives such a great legacy for one of the original main characters, and it means that Sokka's dying act was continuing on the legacy of the Avatar, protecting his newly reincarnated friend in the form of Korra. And that is what happened to Sokka. But guys, thanks so much for watching today's video. If you want to see any more Avatar action from us, you can check out this video right here to find out how Ty Lee was actually an air nomad. It's a really, really interesting story. But otherwise, until next time, Ben, I will see you in another life, brother.